topic of of praying specifically in tongues in our church for a few weeks now and it's been pretty awesome i've not been able to hear all of it and i know this is something that's interesting to a lot of our listeners before we get into it though i I wanted to just ask you a couple questions to clarify we do have a lot of non-pentecostal listeners and Often when I talk to my non-apostolic friends about tongues, there's confusion because they conflate perhaps Paul when he talks about the gift of tongues. Uh, for example, he talks about tongues ceasing and things of that nature. They conflate that with what we as apostolics refer to as the initial evidence of receiving the Holy Ghost, uh, like Acts chapter 2, the speaking in tongues being the first evidence. But then from that, and what we're going to talk about today is even another aspect of tongues, which is which is worshiping and praying in tongues. If you come to an apostolic church, if you come to our church, people are going to speak in tongues just about the whole service. Um, maybe you could define how people should be thinking about the different modes. Is modes the right word? Is that yes, categories, modes, types? Modes of- Categories of tongues, yes, that's true. (laughs) Well, there's no doubt that there's a difference between the gift of tongues and receiving the Holy Ghost. That's the main difference. That we say difference, we mean groups that don't believe there is a difference. They think that they, when they're reading about the gift of tongues, and and that a message in tongues goes out in the church, then they think, oh, you can never speak in tongues unless there's an interpreter. That's the number one source of confusion. Yes, hear that a lot. Of course, whenever there's a message in tongues, there must be an interpreter. But they think it limits all speaking in tongues. So even if you're privately praying and so on, well, that intersects with our discussion on praying in tongues. So let's break it down. So the first point, just very quickly for people who might be new to this concept. When you first receive the Holy Ghost, the first evidence of receiving the Holy Ghost is speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. And by the way, I, I've commented on this before, but I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you, what would you think of as a better word or a more relatable word today for utterance? Well, the word utterance is... Uh, is simply the the Greek word is simply the word to speak to speak but it also though the one used in Acts 2 4 where it says as the spirit gave the utterance Mm -hmm. that Greek word is uh, we might could say it's a special word that you would use to speak about uh, the kind of uttering or speaking that went on with, uh, you know, the Greeks were big on oracles and they had all kinds of priests and prophets. And that word is what is used when you're speaking about a, a person that was a human oracle. And so that is true. It, it's, it, we might say it's special speech, mm. but it's just the word for speak. For speak. So we have that initial 
I sometimes like to say the first evidence, not the only evidence, of course, but it's the first evidence all throughout right. Scripture and still is today. Then we move to uh, a category of which we're not going to deal with today, but perhaps the gifts of the Spirit where you speak in tongues and and someone interprets those tongues, and it's for the edification right. of the church. That's often called a message. A Pentecostals call it that. You could have a message in tongues. And so that's a, that's a gifting of the Spirit. That's an operation of the gifts of the Spirit. And then a third uh, category, if we're going to think of it that way, would be uh, what sometimes is called devotional. And I've been rethinking my whole... Uh, reason for calling it devotional. I think what many Pentecostals are thinking of when they say that is simply praying in tongues. Praying in tongues. Yeah. Uh, it's not really meant to be a mode of worship as, unless you think of prayer as worship. So <clears throat> there's also though, uh, so I think those are the three main Pentecostal categories, but there's also the differences between how people view uh, the what the baptism of the Holy Ghost is. Mm. So I I think of those as four different categories, or really three maybe, but there really is a fourth one because the oneness view is is distinct from the Trinitarian view. Well, that's something I think would be interesting to consider. First of all, there's what I call the sacramentalist, like Catholics and that type of view. They actually believe that you receive in water baptism, the uh, the Holy Spirit, that it it's it's a non signed event. So the baby is baptized, and they receive the Holy Spirit, and then they believe that later in life there may be like certain people will have this uh, burst of of uh, bursting forth with utterance, maybe not tongues, but they will have this bursting forth of a recognition the Spirit is in them. Mm. So uh, uh, sometimes it's called a release. So that's pretty much uh, uh, the the sacramentalist view. And then uh, then there's a, a group that we think of as charismatic. We think of them as separate from just Pentecostal, and they think of themselves as separate. Right. And uh, this group does not believe, like Trinitarian and Oneness Pentecostals, that there's an initial evidence. They believe that there are many evidences, multi-evidences Multi. of the Spirit. And that could be passing out or or singing or anything. It'd be almost anything. And those become, you have the spirit and the signs begin to manifest themselves in multiple ways. Tongues may not even be one of them. It could or, be, but it's not necessary. It could be, but it's not uh, uh, necessarily so. They think of many different ways. Now, when you come down to the difference between what Trinitarians and Oneness people are saying, the Oneness movement has believed from the very beginning that the there's uh, th three sequential uh, steps or elements of the new birth, repentance and then water baptism, and then you're filled with the Spirit. And the infilling of the Spirit is not seen as a separate work from salvation. It is part of the work of salvation. Right. So some people see that as different from, let's say, my Assembly of God friends who say that you are you're born again, there's no tongues. But then later the Spirit does a second work. They usually call it a second work of grace or maybe a third work of grace. And 
at that point you speak in tongues but it's not a work of the new birth it's it's a, an empowerment it's like an extra it's like an extra like, like, an like frosting on the cake right yeah. right <laughs> absolutely so that kind of gives us a little clarity on how different people are coming at it but you specifically have interested me in this conversation it's not real common for you to feel like you've maybe changed your view or or uh, seen something that you've right, seen. Right, right. And you've had a little bit of a, a revelation, I guess. When, right. When well, it, we, we were, you know, we've been having revival and been praying for revival. And, and so we've been teaching on the Holy Ghost, explaining to people its importance. And, and many people are receiving the Holy Ghost. And in, in doing that, I uh, teaching on just typically what I've always taught, what things we're talking about right now, when uh, it be started becoming clear to me from the scriptures we were using that I was missing something about praying in tongues that uh, as I begin to investigate it, and that's really what I want to get into here today. Those several scriptures that I've been using for years and, and to explain, but I never saw an element there that was, it seems clear now. And so I kind of see that as getting a revelation. And one of them is that, uh, the idea of it being devotional is, is really an inadequate way of speaking of it when it's, it is specifically said in scripture that you are praying in tongues for a specific reason. And that's what we'll get into awesome. here well, today. Well, let's try to, maybe you could walk us through that and uh, lead us to that, yes. that illumination <laughs> that you got. That would be awesome. Awesome. Okay. Well, are, are you ready to begin that? Yeah, and let's we, go. Okay. The first thing that I would point out is that uh, I'd never made a connection between the Bible speaking about being in the Spirit and praying in tongues. I never thought there was a direct correlation. I mean, it would make sense that if you're in the Spirit, you might speak in tongues. <laughs> but it, it's. I think we'll see in a couple of scriptures here in a moment that that when the Bible says they were praying in the Spirit, or they, like John said, I was mm -hmm. in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, that <clears throat> this is directly connected to speaking in tongues. Yes. Now, there's a third element of sort of mystery that has always escaped me, and that is uh, Paul's introduction of the idea of groaning. And that's always been, uh, I, I thought I sort of understood it. But I think now uh, Romans 8 has become much, much clearer. And so we'll, we'll save that towards the very end because I think it really is the, the, the capstone that praying in tongues is natural. And it, one of the other revelations is that I've actually prayed this way in my whole life, but never understood and kind of pulled back thinking, well, I should be praying more with my intellect. And, and that's exactly what scripture is saying not to do. Which we, there's pressure sometimes. There's pressure to do that. To do that. And even sometimes I've heard people perhaps misuse no. scripture to yes. make us feel guilty that we're not praying more with our Mind. Yeah, and, why are you just speaking in tongues sort of a thing? Right, right. Yeah, I, I think that's true. And I think that uh, my uh, initial coming into the oneness movement, my initial uh, voices that were really speaking into my life were cautious about uh, the idea of their of tongue speaking, you know, too much or too louder because so many people had abused it. The, the original 
Lateran movement really went uh, strangely overboard. And there was a lot of overreacting, I suppose. But uh, I think through the years, we've adapted and become more uh, practicing what Scripture is saying without realizing how deeply connected the Scriptures were to that, that we actually were told to speak in tongues as we pray, not exclusively, and certainly not taking over a church service. This is all private prayer, but it is meant to be, uh, I think we'll see it's meant to be woven into your prayer life. Certainly the charismatic movement scared a lot of even my generation. And I don't know if charismatic movement is the <laughs> correct term, but that's just how I've come to think of it. It scared a lot of my generation. We we didn't want to become uh, weird and kooky, right? And so sometimes we went overboard right. to the side of oh, we've got to be right. uh, too well, cautious. A, a, a little known historical fact is that the charismatic movement was you know a burst of excitement about the Holy Spirit and people receiving it. And uh, many, many, many millions of people did receive the Holy Spirit, but that it is uh, clearly waning that either they've moved into the Pentecostal movement or those churches are, I mean, there's a segment of, of the church world that is what we now call charismatic, and there's a, almost a thin line between Pentecostal and charismatic, but the numbers out there, let's say, a lot of people originally thought of the charismatic movement as people in the Catholic Church or the Lutheran Church or some other denomination that is speaking in tongues and remaining in those churches. But that has waned significantly. What has happened is it has become more organized and mo they've moved into their, moved away from denominal churches. That doesn't mean they don't still, it doesn't still happen, but not by the millions that it was originally. But now that brings us then to the question of <clears throat> just quickly here, who, how many people are speaking in tongues, mm. which is often confused. And so we'll just throw this out here for the, for the really interested. Uh, you know, they're talking about uh, 500 million tongue talkers, but when they give the, they list who they are, they're not all tongue talkers. The actual evidence is that the number of people that we can document that are speaking in tongues living right now is about a little over 200 million. Mm. So less than half of the in, initial numbers. But then there are huge numbers of people connected to those tongue talkers who are going to those churches, but they're not tongue talkers. Not okay. Tongue talkers. So the actual tongue talkers is about 200, uh, 200, uh, you know, and I'll just be real specific about 210 million. Mm. And then, of course, uh, we spent a lot of time researching uh, the oneness movement, how large it is. And so you've got to throw in the about 35 million Jesus name people who are speaking in tongues. And, and that's, a, that's about 35 million total that are in the tongue talking category. So that means the tongue talkers in the world, about, about 15% of all tongue talkers in the world are oneness people. Wow. That's amazing. And of course, if you've been around a, a, a tongue talking church much, you know that this is just a natural part of, of our, right. our praying. We just had the ladies here praying, and you could hear them in this room. We had to postpone our, our recording a little bit because it was so loud, which is wonderful. We're just used to that. Uh, but maybe maybe after 
this conversation, we'll all have a little better understanding of why that's important and how biblical that really is. Well, uh, exactly. And I want to go back now to this uh, idea of praying in the Spirit and praying in tongues being the same thing. And I've been saying uh, lately that it's like uh, the relationship of the shell and the yolk and the egg. The shell and the yolk comprise the egg. They're not separate entities alone. They're a part of the egg, just like praying in the Spirit. Tongues is a part of of the uh they're they're they they go together and they can't be separated and this is a a way in which god uses praying in tongues to uh bring let's say intensity i'm going to start using the word levels of of praying which i've never done in my life Mm. Uh, i mean i know that sometimes people are praying more and jesus prayed more earnestly but we're not talking about how earnest you are but the the actual level of engagement in the spirit that you've actually reached. And so I'm going to start with 1 Timothy 2.1. Is that okay? Good, yeah. All right. And so what what this to me is uh, a, a fresh understanding. I've spent years thinking about, now, first of all, the uh, t- uh, he says in verse 1 that I exhort you first of all. Which is uh, the word exhort just means to is the word to urge you. I'm urging you to do it. So we're talking here. What he's going to say is referring to the urgency of this matter. I'm urging you first of all, and and is that you that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made. All right. So that's four things. Four categories. You have four categories. Now we all know from the Old Testament, and we'll we'll come back to this two or three times in other scriptures, but supplications was a very common Old Testament idea. Right. And and basically I would summarize that, and I'm not trying to be uh, you know, extremely strict here, but the the idea of supplications was a petitioning for specific needs. Your sup, uh, I will use the, <laughs> I'll use it as a verb. Supplicating is was the idea that you were petitioning on uh, for a particular thing, and you were bringing that petition like the woman in the parable that came to the judge and constantly came back. So supplicating is a level of and, and here, of course, is what I'm trying to demonstrate, that Paul is referring to the urgency of four levels of praying here. One is supplicating. One is prayers would just be the the general word for praying, which uh, you could be meaning all of them or, or only specific things. And then intercessions, which we'll come back to. And then he adds in giving of thanks. Now, we don't typically think of giving of thanks as a, a form of prayer, but it actually is. He is demonstrating it here that when you are praising God in prayer, and you then that leads you to very the fact that you're praising Him. Let's say you were healed as you prayed, and you begin to praise Him. That takes you into a level, and then you then maybe move into supplication and so on. That that to me is showing us through this verse and. And then we'll we'll and, look at and others. By, by the way, just a quick side note: I think that supplication. I sometimes say requesting it, like a bringing our request to God. It, it, uh, that's true. Un- mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I probably shouldn't generalize, but the vast majority of people—that's the only level of prayer they ever really 
operate in. They they get in that supplication well, mode. Uh, it, it may be worse than that because I think we say we're taking requests, but we are not taking requests. Mm. They're actually just presenting a need to an audience. Yes. And that is not supplication. But supplication is the taking of that request before God as a, as a, a repeatedly all right, that's supplication over and over. Again. Actually, petitioning. Yeah, you. It's it's almost like a court individual. I don't. There's a name for these guys, but where they go before the court and they're they're petitioning the court over. Now, now, of course, th- this opens up the whole question of why we pray in the first place. God already knows the petition and so on. <laughs> right. But 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 if we clear all that up and we understand that prayer is our end of the deal, where we are seeing things. For example, at the end of this verse. You see, he says that I want you to pray these four. I'm going to say levels because I want to uh, intercessions, giving of thanks, be made for all men. We're now seeing that when you pray like this, the way Paul is speaking, that the entire world is impacted by it. Mm. Not just, he didn't say each man. If he meant to say each man, he would have said, pray for each person you pray for this way. But he isn't saying that. He doesn't just say your family, your friends. Not your friends, your family. He's saying, this is how you pray for the entire world. Mm. This is how you change the world. And of course, now one one more thing before we go to this, to this, because uh, the main thing here for me is that this is introducing the idea that prayer is multi-leveled. We all we know that because Jesus prayed more earnestly. Yeah. That alone is enough to show us that, and we know it instinctively. But what I had never understood was how intercessions could be an entire level of praying that that I'd never fully grasped. But but to me, intercessions, and this is something that I'm. Uh, open to, of course, but I've never quite said many of the things I'm saying right now I've never said before, except right here locally. But intercessions to me, I I think I'm seeing uh, is that it is actually travailing prayer on behalf of another person. Mm. There's no question that the intercession, the whole idea of to be an intercessor is that you go between, and of course it has to be between God and this person that cannot, you're on their behalf. Maybe they're in a coma on the bed. You But the intercession, maybe a soul that doesn't want to be saved, but you're an intercessor. See, that's different from supplication. Yes. And Jesus, and we're going to, I want to look at that in just a moment. But so you're praying this way and you're impacting. If you pray, I'm going to say it this way now, when you pray in in a multi-level way, bringing in both speaking in tongues, which we'll see in a moment, and several other things, not only, but also including supplication, Praying the Lord's Prayer, because it says prayer. So I, I always pray the Lord's Prayer, but there are many ways to pray uh, in a way that is organized, and you do that. I think you come back to that. Like uh, we're starting to they're, they have what they call the prayer walk. That's one way to, to have organized prayer. You fo- even have little prayer books. 
where you're going through and you're reading scriptures. In fact, bringing scriptures into prayer is what multi-level prayer is all about. Mm, yeah. you're, so if I say, you know, oh, he dug me from a great pit and I'm quoting the Psalms, all of a sudden my soul begins, see, that's lifting me. When I use scripture, it lifts me into the spirit. The I'm in yeah. the spirit and yeah. and so on. So so that's now and then Thanksgivings we we just looked at. Okay, so let's let's go now to another scripture. That was 1 Timothy. So we this is all Paul. Now we're going to look at Ephesians and in Ephesians we we see an interesting connection in chapter 6 between verse 12 and verse 18 that I had never made and I've taught Ephesians so many many times. All right. So first of all, Paul tells the Ephesians that prayer and and your uh, w- when you're in the spirit, the work of the spirit means that you are uh, wrestling. So he's introducing the the notion that you're. It's like a wrestling match. Uh, you are wrestling against uh, not flesh and blood. He's going to say, but principalities, powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world. In other words, the the entire world's. Uh, evil uh, organization is what you're doing when you are uh, when you are praying. When you are in the spirit, when the spirit is working, you are you're not just dealing with people and flesh and blood. You're dealing with the entire network of of the uh, forces of darkness Do in the world. Do you feel like this includes demonic strongholds and things? Strongholds, everything you think of. Of course, we're just looking at verse twelve and, and, and for for brevity, but. But what what is what we're seeing here is that prayer was meant to be not just me saying, "Father, come against the strongholds," but that we have a there is a a multi level method by which we we let's say you're praying for three hours, you're going to, have to do more than just use your intellect. You're going to have to <laughs> enter into the spirit, and so what you're actually doing, what Paul is actually arguing here. Or he's not arguing it, but what he's showing us is that supernatural power, which everybody knows this, but the supernatural power of the Spirit is worked uh, into your prayer time in order to do one thing, and that's defeat the devil. It, it, I mean, it also sets people free and does all the other things, but it that occurs because you are you are dealing with the enemy. You're dealing with the, the the forces of hell itself in a supernatural way. That's what prayer was meant to do. We all know that. But what's a revelation to me is how praying in tongues, I don't need to be intimidated about it or have someone say, well, why don't you pray in English a while? Well, okay, I, I am going to pray in English a while, but I want to pray in tongues a little longer here. Right, Okay. Right. And so we're wrestling it not against flesh and blood, but against all these uh, spiritual wickedness. In high places. Now, now here, here is the most critical thing about what he tells uh, the Ephesians here. And is this course, verse eighteen? This is verse eighteen. All right, and this is what this is why I want to uh, remind uh, you, you know the two of us here that when we're talking about this, we are actually speaking about moving up and down levels. I'm not sure of levels. I sometimes want to think of depth because mm. it may not, you know, down may not be bad. Uh, it, depth can be good. So 
what whatever uh, symbol you're using i i think levels works because actually when you are interceding like jesus did i want to i want to look at that in a moment that you're actually entering into a level that is be, beyond almost human comprehension or jesus certainly did and and so verse 18 now let's let's look here he's he begins by saying praying always with all uh, prayer and supplication in the spirit but what we've what we've done here is we've separated the word in the spirit from praying but not only in the english it's actually in the greek and you i'm going to show you the greek here so he says praying always in the spirit now the word always there should is better understood as consistently praying consistently with all prayer all right, now that sounds a little odd because the Greek words are actually different. You pray consistently when you are using prayer and supplication in the Spirit. So he's linked here the, the levels of prayer with being in the Spirit. That when we do this, now let's look at one more thing. All right, so now what we're looking at, praying always or consistently with all all right, which is in the Greek, diapases. All right, now, so there's no question now what that means. So we pray always with all or dia by, by means of every. That's what he just said, by means of every kind of prayer and supplication. You're using all the levels. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to suggest. Yeah. So this to me, when I saw this, I mean, I, I'm going through looking for evidences of praying in tongues that I haven't understood uh, clearly. And, and here I see Paul saying, and I'm just going to say it in my own words, you need to consistently pray with every means of types of prayer. Yeah. That's what he said there. And we've already covered the levels. We've, we've, looked, at we've looked at some of the levels. Some of them. Yeah, we've looked at the, the ones he mentioned over there to Timothy. So you're praying consistently with every by every means of kinds of every kind of prayer and supplication in the spirit in now the spirit. i would i wouldn't have in i'm only going by the king james here but you really should translate it praying in the spirit consistently mm. because that's exactly what's supposed to be said there but you you can separate them there's nothing wrong with it it's just the hearer needs to know that you're praying in the spirit now here we come back to the issue or the, the the important point that praying in tongues and praying in the spirit are identical. They're the 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 oak and the yeg, uh, not yeg egg. <laughs> right. Be sure to cut that yeah, out. Yeah, the, 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 it's the yolk and the egg. Yeah. <laughs> the yolk and the egg. All right, so they go together, and um, and uh, and then of course we have the word supplication again. So praying in the spirit uh, is not only linked to wrestling against the forces of darkness. So in the spirit is a powerful force, but you have the Hebrew notion of supplication in the spirit as a, as a level that we, which we've already looked at. So if we're sufficient there, so we're leaving now Ephesians 6, and I'd like to look at now uh, the beginning of the important, there's basically 1 Corinthians 14 is the, like the, uh, the most the biggest collection of scriptures dealing with speaking in tongues in prayer uh, that's all together. And so I'm going to go there first. So here we have 
Now, we've been talking and using the word speaking in tongues in prayer, but let's read uh, verse 14 of 1 Corinthians 14, all right? So it says, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, all right? So, of course, we know that when you translate if, uh, the idea of when and so on, different ways of understanding what you mean by if, he doesn't mean uh if I do, but I don't, he means th- that the potential of praying in tongues is always available it's to always the same. Yeah. So if, or if I pray in an unknown tongue, and, and so I, there's a comma in the King James there, and we'll stop there. So here, here, the critical thing is that now we have Paul specifically telling us that we are going to be expecting that our prayer will include this level of praying when we do not know the words we are saying. And we can safely assume he's not speaking of the gift of tongues where you're bursting forth in tongues. Right, because we're going to go back to that in a moment. Earlier he tells us that. But I wanted to start with 14 because this is a the clearest he's ever uh, gotten, at least for us reading, that if that we we are to pray in tongues yes. and un, unknown. And we, we could talk about unknown uh is that why don't we visit that for a moment? Because when it says other tongues, uh, it's translators have opted to say other. Um, they what is meant by other is other than your known your tongue. tongue. Yes, yeah, so uh, the same is true here when it says unknown, it doesn't mean it's unknown to God or unknown to everybody to anybody else. Exactly, it just it's it's to unknown you, to you. To you, it's, it's an other tongue. than your. It's exactly the same. It's other than your known tongue. So you pray in a language you don't know now. Remind me if I don't think of it to come back to, you know, our good Baptist friend who recently was telling us that, that this means that you are not to pray in tongues or God's not in Romans isn't referring to praying in tongues when he says what he says there. And so we'll come back to that, but it's, I think, helpful to realize that actually it's, Paul is consistent throughout both in Romans and here. And it's quite a revelation when you see it all. So let, now let's go beyond it because the next thing he says is, when if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth. Mm. Now this to me is a total revelation. Yeah. I've never understood. I've I've talked about it, and there's also the fact that the King James translators have wrestled with, like all translators, what to do with is he meaning? Because you know the Greek doesn't. There's there aren't caps in the Greek to tell you, is this the Holy Spirit or is this your spirit? Right. So is right. this the Holy Spirit right. praying through me or is this my spirit praying? Exactly. Yeah. Now here, of course, the King James translators uh, did a brilliant job and and, and went with uh, your spirit. And, and the word my there makes it clear. If I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit is praying. Now that is the best explanation in the Bible, to why people pray in tongues. It's not because that's all they're going to do. They're going to pray in tongues for four hours. But it, it it's done as part of the levels of prayer because when you need your spirit to do the praying. Now, we know that what Paul means here is that 
he means your spirit as opposed to your intellect. Right. Because he goes on to say, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. Right. So I don't know. He says the same thing when he says, we don't know what to pray in Romans 8. That's we, right. We, we, the spirit intercedes for us. And that's what my Baptist friend thinks means that the Spirit is praying, not you. See, just like he thinks that you don't actually speak in tongues. Only right. the Spirit speaks in tongues. Right, God, right. And the Spirit doesn't need to speak in tongues. He only <laughs> speaks in tongues through us, and that's right. the point. All right, so for I, if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. So really that is, uh, there is no better scripture and and there's several here in chapter 14 but there's no better scripture to see than the, that all of this is talking about bringing I, I could pray and not be like super duper supernatural about it i could say oh, lord i need you right now and or <laughs> right. i could say lord uh you know help me i'm going in here to do something and i need your help with that and i could be pretty non uh you know spirit just really shaking me but what Paul is referring to here is something that is only done in the supernatural. Yes. Your spirit is praying without the not your brain's knowledge of that. Your mind does not know what those words are. Now, I know some languages. I know Greek, Hebrew, Latin, uh, a little bit of a, a French and other things. All right, so these, these are languages I know from my own intellect, but I could never speak Russian because I don't know it. Now, could I learn Russian? Yes, I'd love to learn Russian. But if I suddenly begin to speak Russian, it's a miracle. Yeah. It's supernatural because I couldn't do it. And... And so that's what Paul is saying. Your spirit is suddenly speaking and praying. And this is what Romans 8, 2 is telling us, that the spirit comes along and he actually uses the word helps. And that's very critical there. We, we need his assistance because we need a supernatural level in which we're praying in a way that is we simply don't know how to do that. God had, does it through us. I've had times in you know in my life of great turmoil where I didn't even know how to. My intellect didn't even know how to pray for. I didn't even know what I needed. I just right. knew I needed something. Well, you knew you were desperate. You, know, yeah. you were in desperation. And by the way, desperation is a language. Just like tears are a language. They are a language. I don't mean they're spoken language, but they're a language. And when God sees it, it's like you're speaking to him. You don't always have to go in. Sometimes you stand still before the Lord. Sure. I yeah. mean, no one thinks you're just always supposed to speak in tongues. But but what we're what I'm seeing for my life and for our church and for the Pentecostal movement is that when we have been praying in tongues and and then we're like oh well let me get back to what I was praying let me get back to my <laughs> prayer list you know uh, well, well wait were, a minute you, you were in your prayer list <laughs> I was yeah you may, that's you just, another maybe you didn't know it you exactly know? yeah so so the supernatural depth is 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 what I am seeing here by saying my spirit prayeth meaning of course which Paul explains later. He doesn't fully explain it here yet, but he's about to. We're going to look at a couple other scriptures, but that the, your spirit praying with the help and assistance of the Holy Spirit, then your spirit becomes an avenue of the supernatural. 
It's like you are caught up in the spirit. You link. It's almost like you link. You link with the spirit. Whatever way you want to. Maybe that's the wrong word, but you. No, it's linking is uh, if you help someone, you, <laughs> you're you linking into them. So, okay. So this this scripture to me is, is the first of the super critical because he specifically says praying in tongues is my spirit praying. My understanding, in other words, I... I, my knowledge, my understanding, uh, the word knowledge and understanding, basically the same thing. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what I should pray. I don't know the words I should pray. I don't even know how to do this. I must enter into a level of the Spirit in which the Holy Ghost is doing the work and praying through me. Therefore, it becomes on level with you standing before God and speaking in your known language. It is a level of prayer that is, uh, well, is supernatural. It's supernatural. And it must be what breaks the bands. It's, I mean, all prayer can break bands, but it is a level of prayer that, that which Paul is telling me, it's urgent that you not just pray little, you know, li this little prayer. I'm over here, you know, oh, well, you know, whispered prayers alone i mean whispered prayers are whispered prayers but don't think that that's the only praying there it's, is it's not all there is yeah right. there's going to come a moment and paul's going to eventually say here in just a moment that some, you're going to reach a point where you can't even speak at all it's just groanings mm. and that of course is what led me to this whole discussion i'm like what what are the groanings what and <laughs> right. and, uh, and yeah. so we'll, we'll come what back does to that, that. Mean? all right so now let's uh let's look at a couple other scriptures here um i'm going to I'm going to look at three more scriptures, but and they're a, a little more in depth. But let's let's begin with them. First of all, uh, verse four. First right, so Corinthians fourteen. First Corinthians fourteen. Make sure people right, know. Where so we're I at. was in verse fourteen. Now I'm moving back to verse four. It says, "He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself." Mm. Now we we know what that means, of course. That when you are, and we know, of course, that this cannot be talking about a message uh, 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 that needs interpreted, because that wouldn't be edifying myself. No, that's that would the be edification of the church. Exactly. So he. That's why I'm starting with this by, verse. By the way, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. So when you're when you are uh, praying in tongues, or you are. Uh, having uh, what some would say devotional tongues that's going to edify yourself and it isn't meant to disturb the church or take away from a service someone standing up and taking over a service which some people do this and they're completely out of order that's and they right. are out of the spirit now, they may be hungry for God and so on but they're certainly doing the wrong thing by taking over a service all right so that's the first point now I'm gonna now slip further back at to the very beginning of the chapter and pick up verse 2. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men. Mm. All right, that's 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 key. That's key because if you're not speaking to men, then you're not giving a message in tongues. Because if you were speaking to men, God would send an interpreter and you would be speaking to men. But what he says is, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue does not speak unto men, but unto God. So the speaking in tongues is a direct line of communication 
to God himself. We're back now to what Paul is going to tell us that we just looked at in verse 14, that your spirit is praying. Now, let me interrupt you quickly because I had a Baptist pastor tell me, oh, a couple of years ago in reference to this, that he actually is fine with devotional tongues as long as you're praying at home on your own and you're not in a church service right. or around other Wh- people. Which is a, a stricture that is non-biblical. If, if someone's in the altar and they're privately praying, like, well, of course, in Baptist churches, they don't tend to be loud in their praying. So we have a lot of loud praying. And people are praying in their circle, in their place, and they speak in tongues all the time. And, uh, and, and it's not meant for other people to hear because everyone is praying at the same time. Right. And this is something that's unusual to many. Uh, denominations, you know, I went to two Baptist universities, and they they don't pray out loud, and they don't pray all at the same time, but but Pentecostals <laughs> <Right>. do. <laughs> so we know what this is well, talking about. And also, one of the things that I noticed as as I was talking to him about this particular scripture is that there there's no command here from Paul to be at home by yourself in a closet praying. Right. In fact, the the very fact that he feels the need to express that you're not praying for people is the assumption that you're going to be praying around other people, mm-hmm. but that you're not, but he's separating it from the gift of tongues where you're not, it's not for their edification, it's for your edification. Right. It doesn't mean you have to be alone, though, to have It doesn't that. mean you have to be alone. And the reason uh, a Baptist friend would think that is that they do not practice group praying all at the same time. Right. They don't practice that. If they all kneel and pray alone, which they may or may not do, they are not, uh, they don't raise their voice to do it. Yes. Whereas in Pentecost, we worship out loud together. We all worship out loud. This is something else that Baptists don't do. They don't, they may sing out loud together, but they don't pray out loud at the same time. So really singing for us and praying are the same. We sing out loud together. We pray out loud together. And, and the singing is meant to be heard by all the people, but the praying is not. And we, we don't open our ears to hear the prayers of the man next to us. We pray out loud and we rejoice. So this is this, if this brother understood, a group praying in that way, he wouldn't have that objection. But he has the objection because it would disturb his church. His whole corporate, his whole corporate worship exactly is, uh, well, non-biblical. Yeah. Okay. So let's go back to verse two. He speaks in, if you speak in tongues, you're speaking to God, not man. Then he says this, for no man understandeth them, which is a, a continuation there. How be it in the spirit, he speaketh mysteries. Wow. So what we are saying now that the reason that's critical is that he is using now the terminology again that you are in the spirit. This is praying in the spirit. He's speaking of tongues which are not meant to be for men but for God. You are praying to God in the spirit. And you just said even your Baptist friend didn't care as long as you were in a closet somewhere. <laughs> and no man understands him, but you are, you You don't even know. He tells us later in verse 14 that you're praying in the Spirit, but then he adds something that's a whole new dimension, that these are mysteries. mysteries yeah. All right. Now, I've, uh, I, I mentioned that the Amplified Bible, which 
you know, we can we can refer to once in a while. Uh, it translates this. And I just want to point out how many times <laughs> you've teased me about the Amplified Bible. Yes, that's true. And uh, but if I like it, I bring it oh, up. Oh, okay. All I right. See. So he All says right. in the Amplified, secret truths or hidden things, which of course is another way of understanding mysteries. mysteries. Yes. So they just ha happen to get it right here. And so <laughs> a divine interpretation would reveal the mysteries unto the men. So he's not talking about there going to be an interpretation right. because there wouldn't be a mystery if you interpret it that that re that removes the mystery therefore in praying in tongues so now we've actually entered into a level of understanding of praying in tongues that is deeper than i've ever been in terms of my mental understanding in my practice i've practiced this kind of prayer yeah but our, our our as pentecostals sometimes our Orthopraxy, you know, gets ahead of it our is orthodoxy. ahead of our, our, our yeah, you know. Right. So you know, yes. we, in our practice, we're you know, we do it, but we don't always understand why. But yeah, I am. So, so maybe you could explain. So mysteries are these mysteries that we still don't understand as we're praying. I, I don't. I'm not sure. Or do you but think they're I mysteries do, that let, we that we are revealed to us? I'm going maybe? to. I'm going. I'm going to assume. All right, until I don't, <laughs> that when you're praying in mysteries, that this means you are entering a level of the uh, the myst mystical spirit that does not require me to know what it is. Mm. But since I am praying, it means that you are entering, this is what I mean by dimension. If if mysteries is not a dimension, then I don't know what it is. If it's a secret truth, things that we would not know, that maybe they are being revealed. Let's, let's consider this. When I am praying, you are praying, almost anyone, I don't care even what faith they are. When you are praying, things come to your mind. Understanding comes to, it's like in prayer, you, just like when you're in the spirit, things come to your mind that you never thought of before. Yes. And, and that to me is part of this idea. So that, that to answer the question, do I know? Well, I do think there's a dimension of this that comes to your mental knowledge. You, it begins sure. to enter your knowledge. You may even get a premonition or you may get a, a word from God. You may hear, like I've heard the voice of God in my, in my mind and in prayer. And I knew it was God. And lo and behold, it was God. And I could don't get me going on that. How many times that God has spoken to me, and 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 others, and, and but but I do think though that in terms of the praying, and this is something that I I I want to explore. But when you are praying in tongues, the level of the mystery is that you break into prayer that would not have come from your intellect. It's coming from your spirit. And that enters into things beyond even their, their mysteries, beyond yeah. what the human heart could comprehend. Yeah. For example, maybe you are dealing with a, with a principality 
And God is breaking down walls that you don't know. You you sense something's going but on, but you can't see them. And in- we've often, <laughs> we've, I, I hate to go too deep into this, but we've often wondered because in Pentecost people will fall to the ground. They will be what we call slain in the spirit. Yeah. Almost every member of my family's been slain in the spirit one time or another, where you're just literally on the ground. Just in prayer meeting last uh, uh, this week, we had a a, a sister pray for. Her. She literally fell to the ground someone caught her and 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 uh, that that's not unusual it could be that the god slips us for a moment into a realm this this realm we uh, i don't want to just use mysteries all the time but this realm where god is doing what we cannot comprehend that he's doing but he is doing it because of that prayer yeah not because he just knocked you down, but because you were praying. Yeah. You were entering that dimension of supernatural power and the glory of God. And often we can sense, again, we're sounding very mysterious, but we can sense what God is doing in when we're in that realm. But we don't know exactly what's happening, but we sense that. Yeah, we sense it, and which is not knowing. That's not the same as knowing uh, but it's kind of a little bit of knowing. Yeah. And so yeah. a so, glim- a so I think we have to leave mysteries mystery. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, but yeah. yet it is, if it does anything for me, it demonstrates that when we pray like this, we don't need to listen to the naysayers. We need to continue that prayer as long as the Holy Ghost is is doing it. Now, it should never affect anybody else. It shouldn't affect uh, the church. I mean, you're praying. It's You're on your own. Some people think if they're praying in the Spirit, I mean, some people that should know better, that, that they can just keep praying even though something else is going on. Well, no, that's not the way it works. You can't take over the church. Right, that's disruption. Yeah, you can't disrupt a Disruption church. is different than... Now, we're going to go to one more verse here. And uh, are we okay on time? Yeah, are you yeah. okay? Oh, yeah. All right, so now we're going to verse uh, uh, 15 First chapter 14. 1 Corinthians 14, 15, for yes. those that might be trying to follow along. And and what he does here is he, he he's going to take it to another. <laughs> in other words, every time we look at a verse, I'm only looking at it because it leads us deeper into, I mean literally, to another level. All right? But he also does something else that is reaffirming something I've already said. And that is he, he makes the parallel between uh Praying in tongues and praying in the Spirit. Mm. All right. So let's look at verse 15. He says, I will pray with the Spirit. Now, um, uh, capital S. It, it, well, the King James goes with small s there. And in other words, it isn't consistent. But it makes no difference whether they did or didn't. Um, it, but let's just read it as it is, uh, because he says, "I will pray with the Spirit." Now, this this is a, what the Greeks call a locative, which means it actually is best translated, "I will pray in the Spirit." The word "with" there means with the assistance of the Spirit meaning in it, in when I get into the realm of the Spirit. All right, so that's the first thing. He says, I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with the understanding. Now, that's two levels. Yes. Oh, so we're definitely seeing that Paul is telling us we're to pray in the Spirit. That means tongues, of course. He means for you to understand that. But I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with the understanding. 
So you see how he's talking about tongues without ever using the word tongues there. Yes. Understanding lets us know that he means your known language. But when you're praying in the spirit, you're not in your known language. Right. You're in the spirit. Right. And so he, but then he adds this. And here, so we've already seen now another level. All right. That you're praying, that you're speaking about praying in the spirit and you don't even have to say tongues. Right. Okay, that's important. And then he says, and, or the word and is not in the text, I will sing with the Spirit. Yeah. Now, I've known of this. I've seen it. I've heard I've heard it recently. I've heard it all of my Pentecostal life, but not a great number of people, but people I highly respect, people I barely knew, people I would never have realized. I have only experienced it a time or two in my entire life and ministry that I will sing with the Spirit and I will sing with my understanding. We are clearly seeing here that Paul is speaking about singing in tongues. Singing in tongues. And it is not meant for the congregation. It is not meant to take over. Uh, it, now, if there's group singing in tongues that is done and it works i've never seen it myself but paul is not referring to that he says i will sing with the spirit just like when he speaks in tongues but now it has melody so he doesn't just mean that i'm going to sing with anointing as some people might would take that right but i'm going to sing no, no you couldn't because he contrasts it with your understanding exactly All right so but <clears throat> now um, of course, anointing is understood, but that's not what Paul is referring to. You, if you're singing in tongues, you've got anointing. You've got anointing you right. couldn't do that without <laughs> anointing. But I will sing with the Spirit. Now, this to, to me takes it beyond our Baptist friends. They could never imagine what in the world this means because they're already resisting the idea that people even pray out loud. But imagine that you are praying. And all of a sudden, you enter into a realm of prayer, which now includes singing in an unknown tongue. Yeah. You have entered into a level. I think of this as the same as what we looked at a moment ago when it said thanksgivings. That was the fourth of your praying, but it's thanksgivings. Well, that's got to be done with your mental capacity. That's right. You are thanking. And so now we're talking about a... a you could use both singing in tongues and in your known tongue as a level. And I've done this all of my life. Like suddenly I'll I'll start saying, thank you, Lord, for bringing me out of the deep pit. And I begin to sing a song of the Psalms yeah. that I've heard and I enter into it. Now, what I don't do often is enter into tongues in singing. And uh, I have done it, but it, it's super... Uh, super rare. You can slip between these, if we're calling them levels, instinctively, just growing up around apostolic prayer. Uh, I do it, and, and, and people I respect do it. They slip, you know, they'll be in the understanding, and then they'll be in, they'll be in the Spirit. And they'll be, be in the Spirit. And it doesn't mean that you're going to be, you know, in the Spirit for an hour and in the understanding for an hour. It, 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 can, it can be sometimes a... a a moving between between the two. Now, there's a critical element right here that if you miss it, then you're going to miss the whole point. 
is that the Bible has been saying from the very first scripture, and there, there are others, of course, that this supplication, intercession, singing in and out of the Spirit, praying in and out of the Spirit, and he's going to add other things to it in just a moment. All of this praying is meant to be interspersed with reading the Scripture, saying the Lord's Prayer, using your voice to seek the Lord, petitioning for needs that are beyond help. The cancer patient has no hope, but there's hope in God. You are interceding. You are you are supplicating before the Lord. All of these, all with actually your spirit begins to pray and you're praying in tongues, that all of this was meant to be interspersed together. Yes. And the the... To me, the, the the pinnacle of this is when we get to Romans eight. Mm. I mean, when I when I got to Romans eight and I finally understood Romans eight, I, I don't mean all of Romans eight. I'm talking about verse twenty six. When you get to verse twenty six and you clearly see Paul is saying exactly the same thing again, I, I wondered how I never grasped that's mm. what he was doing. Well, are we about to do that? Or yes, let's. Te- <laughs> are we going to tease people? <laughs> Okay, let's go now uh, to Rome. Well, we are to Rome. This is our last scripture that I'm uh, looking to look at here today. All right, so this is uh, this is what I've begun to speak of as uh, groanings as prayer, which is the uh, I think um, an element that is would be hardest for a non-Pentecostal to even begin to grasp. Yes. Because, uh, but l- let's think in turn. like if you can't even grasp people speaking in unknown tongues, <laughs> you're going to really be a little but, uncomfortable but, uh, with But I want to f- uh, preface this with, with something very practical. People speak in nonverbal ways all the time. For example, sure. before I mention our prayer service just recently, on a Sunday morning, twice I've seen it, and God, I think, led me right to the people. But before I mention that, before I get to that, um, there are uh, ways in which we, uh, people will be, uh, they will be saying things like, oh, and you can do, oh, you know, oh, you know, we can, what we're doing is we're, we have all these expressions. They're actually interspersed into English or any language, and people will do that. They may say, like uh, in uh, in certain cultures, they say, I, yeah. you see, or they'll say in Canada, they say other things. It, I noticed it when I preach up in Canada, there, there are... Uh, what we might call nonverbal uh, sounds that they use that we recognize and know what they what they mean. Sure. For example, if a mother, I, I don't want to say that, but let's say a mother lost her baby, we call that she travailed or she she goes into. Uh, a depth, like in the Bible, Hannah did it when she prayed. Yeah, that they didn't even know what she was, what she was saying. But when someone says "oh" with such grief that it, uh, I mean, nobody could mistake it. Then you are, you are, what we would call groanings. We don't want to call it groanings because 
we want to think of it as just part of our expressions. But they are, of course, groanings. Yeah. All right. Now, Paul says here, so that's that's why I think that Paul is referring to groanings will also be a a an aspect of prayer in which you don't have the words to say. All right? Yeah. Now let's read the actual words that he says. Romans 8:28. Romans 8:26. 8:26. Uh, 8:26. Okay. The spirit also helpeth our infirmities which means weaknesses so we don't know we are weak and we do not know what we should pray he says for we know not what we should pray for as we ought all right so now we've got the first part of verse 26 the spirit helpeth now this is where uh the baptist friend i was telling you about and he's on he's he's pretty pretty well-known person and and he made was referring to this verse and he says that this cannot be the individual praying because the spirit is doing the praying mm. which would if you use that argument you would say that the spirit speaks in tongues but not the human being which yeah. of course is not true the spirit doesn't speak in tongues the spirit does the speaking through the individual but it's my tongue and my voice that's right the spirit's doing the speaking so let's say that uh, which I I do know this to be true, and I've experienced it, and seen it, and heard it. That someone is knows no German, they suddenly begin to speak in German. This is well attested, and they and someone in uh, has the German language recognized and hears it, and uh, and there's no interpreter because they actually hear the tongues. All right. So the spirit is doing the speaking, but it's it's not the spirit speaking for himself. It's not the spirit talking alone. He's helping the individual to pray. Yeah. He's not doing this alone as though he intercedes alone. All right. So the spirit helps our infirmity or uh, the, the Greek word here means he that works with or helps us along in our weakness because we don't know what we should what? Pray for. He's talking about prayer. Then he says, but... What actually he's now going to explain what the Spirit does. He, how does he help us? Well, he doesn't help us by pushing us out of the way and doing the praying all by himself. <laughs> the right. Spirit maketh intercession uh, for us. Who pair is the Greek word on behalf of the person praying. And then he adds this very important phrase. He, he makes intercessions for us with groanings. Mm. which cannot be uttered. Now, there's two things important here, because my Baptist friend, he assumed that this meant that the Spirit is groaning alone. Yeah. Right? That's, for, that's the first mistake. He's not groaning alone. He's groaning through the voice of the person praying. But then the second mistake is that he means that he's, you're only groaning, that you're just groaning, and that's the end of it. No, he says, with with groanings yeah. which means all right and this of course is something that had to be demonstrated not in just one verse that when you say with groanings you'd be like saying i had uh potatoes with gravy what you're saying when you say that is you added the gravy so what we're really seeing here is paul is telling us that the when the groaning starts if there is a groaning and i was in the altar just the other day in our service people were receiving the holy ghost and there were christians who were praying in tremendous travail 
And every single person I went up to was groaning, groaning. in a different way. That was clear. What was it? Was a, like you could? I mean, you wouldn't even had to have been a Pentecostal to have understood that they were groaning something from the depth of their heart. Yeah. All right. And so the groaning will begin to happen. The Spirit is praying through us in tongues, even praying through us in English. So this is in addition. This is a level. This yeah. is a level. So that when you begin to say, "Oh God, oh God," you're entering this this uh, this depth of the spirit, which then I notice, and you, you notice that I've added here that the the ESV translates this, which cannot be uttered, too deep for words. Yeah, I like because that. the groanings are not words; they're uh, they're. They're sounds that we we recognize for their intensity, but we and we recognize that they mean something, but they're not actual. Yeah. It's too deep for words. You're like, oh Lord, this hurts. You, you saying hurt isn't deep enough. <laughs> you know, losing your baby that's not hurting isn't deep enough, and that's exactly what the Spirit does. And then He says He searches the hearts. He that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because He maketh intercession. For for the saints, according to the will of God. He's explaining praying in tongues and groanings, that when you are in this level of prayer, you are doing something that the Spirit understands, but your knowledge is not capable of doing. Yeah, it is a, comprehend it. This is, a, to me, folks, I, I'm just telling you, this is a level. Instead of me feeling, oh, well, I need to get back to English, my, my heart is telling me I need to enter this level of praying in tongues more often and not and not be intimidated and even though i'm by myself the intimidation had come from the notion that this is devotion the uh, the word devotional and you can control that mm. you shouldn't be just be because you don't even know what you're saying well no that's the <laughs> whole idea but you know, some Pentecostals get some ideas in their minds too, see, that are not uh, always crystal clear. But to me, it's crystal clear that uh, praying was meant to be multi-level and that praying in tongues is to be a, a very important part of that. So in a sense, we could even say it is good to pray with understanding, but if the spirit knows things we don't know and we're praying in the spirit i'd rather lean not to my own understanding yes well you know one of the reasons that a lot of people get this idea is that paul said i'd rather pray in you know a language i know than uh you know 10,000 five words that i know than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue, which means that uh, he spoke in other tongues. But he was saying that uh, that he meant, of course, when he's speaking to and people hear. That's yeah. what he meant. Yeah, that's right. That's so interesting. Well, Dad, this has been so exciting, and uh, I've enjoyed it. I know it's blessed a lot of people, and uh, I hope maybe someone listening who hasn't understood of praying in tongues will yes. grasp it and, and enter into that. That's my prayer, and I thank you, Ryan, for letting me be a part of it. Thanks a lot.
All right, I am joined by my brother Jonathan French, host hey, of the Whatever podcast, which is pretty awesome and incredible uh, stuff. It, it is incredible stuff. Look for Whatever with Jonathan French. He has a totally different program than this program, and I know that you'll really like it. Uh, I wanted to just go through a couple of of the title episodes here. I hear they have a brand new baby, Amelia. Is that her that we're hearing right now? Yeah, she was just passing in the hallway, yes. Amelia, she's precious. We already love her with all of our hearts. She's still in everybody's heart. Uh, Is she keeping you guys awake? Yeah, she's doing a pretty good job. She's up every three or four hours. <laughs> she's always quiet when I'm around. I don't know. Is, does she get loud? Well, her her uh, her day and nighttime cycles are off. She's sleeping most of the day and up most of the night. <laughs> of course, of course. Well, she is precious. We love her. So if she if she shouts, that's fine. She can be on the podcast too. That's no problem. Uh, so the premise of whatever is that John just talks about literally whatever he feels like talking about at the time. Sometimes it's really serious. Sometimes it's not. Uh, He went through the not so nice, his very first episode, not so nice pumpkin spice, where uh, we can all agree that pumpkin spice is disgusting. And And that to this day has been my most uh, controversial, uh, most talked about episode. People are really had an issue with my take on that. <laughs> People get crazy about their pumpkin spice. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> yes. I'm not sure why, but they really do. Uh, and he talks about becoming blue, ending a toxic relationship. Uh, it's all about the dishes. That's uh, that's a, an earlier episode. Uh, him and Nathan, which I just want to point out that uh, our other brother, Nathan, uh, has been on whatever. I have not been on whatever, but whatever, you know, it's no big deal. Ruining Brian, <laughs> we're I'm prepping the most epic uh, collab episode. That's that's what the deal is. It's, whatever. It's going to be the most epic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Ruining Santa by Loving Santa. That was a really good one. I enjoyed, I enjoyed by that one. Ruining Santa by Loving Satan. I, that's right. I'm sorry. Ruining Santa. <laughs> I, I have to say, John, you have a real knack for titles they do suck you in well i appreciate it one oh here's one of my my favorite ones little feet and the lake of skeletons everyone needs to go listen to that one uh crazy national yes. park stories it's all it's all true stories too yes but that episode is true stuff yes that was and then of course the holy unholy grammys which my goodness were they not unholy or what Absolutely disgusting. Disgusting. Everyone should go check that one out. Um, And then the one that came out today, and this is why I wanted to get you on my program today. I haven't even listened to it yet, but we've talked about it. YouTube Kids is coming for your kids. What's that all about? Fill us in. So I was first uh, uh, kind of exposed to the kind of dark side of YouTube Kids when I was uh, on YouTube looking through the Daily Wire, and they they touched on this in a very brief little bit. So I, I went and opened a profile as a nine-year-old on um, YouTube Kids. So it goes from really young up to 
you can be at nine through 12 is their oldest bracket. And uh, disturbingly, you know, it gives you this little opening um, intro thing that says that this is, you know, for kids to, you know, start finding more independence and, but to keep them safe. Well, it is full of, I mean, basically child grooming into the LGBTQ plus community. Mm, how sick. Uh, and so like, I, I just went in there trying to see how easy it was. I just typed in LG in the search field. The mm. very first search that popped up was LGBTQ plus. I hit that knowing what was going to generate. And sure enough, it was dozens and dozens of videos of drag queens reading stories, talking about how queer kids are the best kids. There's a YouTube channel on there on YouTube kids called Queer Kids Stuff. And this is literally like the kids channel. We're not talking regular YouTube. We're talking. This is YouTube kids that does not need parental authority. You do not need. So like I set it up as a child. But then when I opened the app again, it didn't ask for the, the parents' login information. And suspiciously, uh, and I didn't, get a, I didn't get a chance to add this into the actual episode because it hit me later. But when you set it up, it tells you that the, the video playback on this YouTube Kids platform will not generate in the parents' YouTube search history. No so the way. parents will not know what they're searching and they will not have any history of what they're searching unless they went into that app and looked themselves. So there's a blatant, I mean, this is on purpose. This is not. Yes. Yeah. It hit me like literally after I published the episode and I read that again, I was like, they're not even going to let the parents see what the kids are watching. So like, so for instance, if Kinsley was accidentally stumbled upon something and I was to catch it, I could go in and stop it, but I would never know she ever saw that because it would never tell me she searched it and it would never tell me what she watched. So this falls under a category of something that I do from time to time on apostolic voice. And I'm going to try out an effect that I've never had before. This is from my new board. So this is Ryan raw and real. This is disgusting. I love that. This makes me so angry. I can hardly stand. I mean, this kind of thing just makes my blood just through the roof because they really are coming for our kids every way they can. Truly. Well, and to get it and to, I, I, I'm going to try to put a uh, if you go follow me on whatever the podcast on Instagram, I put graphics and stuff up on there. This one of the videos I actually uh, because my podcast is you know it's a podcast I can't show you the video I played the audio of one of the songs mm. and it's called LGBTQ Sing Along and it is this uh, drag queen that looks and all I can describe it as is like the evil twisted cynical brother of the lion from the original Wizard of Oz. This mm. dude looks like an evil, twisted, over-exaggerated lion on Broadway production, singing to kids and like uh, pretending to be a woman and singing, it's okay to be gay. You know, the queer kids, you know, you hear it all here on the queer kids stuff. It's just like minute long or like 45 second long little video clip. And it is so disgusting. I can't. I can't even get my head around it. But That's it was scary. right there in like the top three um, uh, things at, when you search it. 
So bottom line, parents can't just be setting their kids up with YouTube kids and thinking everything's going to be okay. No. Wow. No, you sure can't. Yeah, it, it, it you know, and Kinsley's about to be the reason this it, this sparked this interest for me to do this episode and to look into it is because I've never done this before. I've never actually gone in and set up a profile to investigate it. And Kinsley's about to be nine, and yeah. this is what she'll have access to. If if I if I let her have this app, she could potentially stumble into a whole world of this. And that's what they want. They want. They know. Yeah. They're counting on parents not paying attention. They're counting on parents assuming, hey, this is content for kids. It's safe. It's going to be okay. And we live in a world where parents can't be that way. We have to be on top of everything. There, there's nothing that we can just take for granted when it comes to media and our children. It's, it's really, it's really, it made me sick. You know, it really made me sick. I mean, for one, it tells you right there at the beginning that this is supposed to be a safe search space for kids to just uh, – find new content you know but then they sneak all this in and basically tell parents you won't monitor it we won't tell you what's happening you're gonna have to go and look yeah that's right and like you said if a parent's sitting their child down and just letting them have at it well you're not gonna potentially know everything they're they're seeing and hearing that's right my goodness yeah it's just nasty well everybody make sure you check out whatever with Jonathan French. Uh, you're on all the places, right? You're on iTunes. I'm, I'm on all the places. All yes. the places. And also you have an Instagram. Uh, you're way cooler. I don't even have an apostolic voice Instagram. Uh, oh, Ryan, you gotta, you gotta get with it. Uh, I'm trying, but I can barely keep up with my own Instagram. <laughs> all right, John. Love you, man. Love you too. Thanks Thank for you. being on top of this stuff. We'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. All bye right, bye. Bye-bye.